there are two major events coming according to Bible prophecy. Just prior to the second coming of Jesus, there will be a peace treaty with specific parameters between Israel and the Palestinians, and then there'll be World War III. How close are we to these two major prophetic events? Which one happens next? Let's talk about it. Welcome to End of the Age. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell. Very excited about today's show because there's two major events that we love to talk about because uh, they're, they're major and, and it's going to be quite obvious when they occur. We'll be able to talk about them every single day and point you right to the scriptures and the current events and clearly identify them. However, until then, there's plenty of speculation to be had. World War III is coming and the peace treaty is coming. Many people want to know which one's next. Uh, We'll get into that today. Uh, But first, I want to remind you that in addition to those two things, the Bible does tell us that God's wrath is coming. And it's coming in the form of sores, darkness, great hail, people being uh, scorched with immense heat, and more. Now, there is a way for you to be immune from this gruesome judgment. You can eliminate the fear that you might have about the wrath of God and understand how to have peace in the end times by watching our brand new teaching video, The Seven Vials. Go to endtime.com slash DVD. And actually for this month only, you can get your copy of the DVD, The Seven Vials, with a gift of any amount, and you'll be one of the first to receive our new lesson. It covers exactly what will take place as God's wrath is poured out on the earth and what you need to know to have peace during this time. So go to endtime.com slash DVD or call 800-END-TIME to be one of the first to receive our new DVD. Now, I will tell you, uh, you can actually uh, watch the whole lesson for free if you're an End of the Age Plus subscriber. So go to watch.endtime.com. You can search it there. Uh, It'll be available. And if you're not, you can um, sign up to receive a free trial. So you can actually watch it totally free by going to watch.endtime.com and searching Seven Vials. All right, Doug. It's another Tuesday. Here we are. Here we are. Are you excited about today? I am excited about (laughs) it. I mean, there's some things that have happened that we really haven't gotten to cover, Vince, because... Uh, we've had so much going on in the world that we've had to decide, okay, what is the hot topic right now? So some of the things that we talk about today, uh, they happened a week ago, but they're worth the mention because things are beginning to happen in Israel. Uh, We're seeing some things happen. So uh, it's interesting because we know, you know, that there's two, those two prophetic events that are looming on the horizon. We talk about a lot of different things here, but those two are there. They're prophetic events that we know um, are coming. The, the Bible tells us that there's going to be a peace treaty in Israel between the Israelis and the Palestinians, that uh, Israel's going, going to be allowed to build her third temple and begin worship there again, including animal sacrifices. And in the middle of that seven-year period, the Antichrist stands up there and uh, declares himself to be God, stops 
the animal sacrifices. And, um, and so that's, that's one of the major ones that we talk about a lot. So there's a lot going on that's maybe pointing to the point that we may be getting close to um, Israel's third temple and a peace agreement coming. And then at the same time, we've got the looming um, you know, prophecy of World War III, the Sixth Trumpet War, where we know that one-third of mankind is going to be killed. So the thing is, the Bible doesn't tell us which one comes first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get that question all the time, well, what's going to happen first? Well, we don't know. So, sometimes it looks like one, sometimes it looks like the other. I know, and it's it's crazy because it does. It looks yeah. like, okay, this one's gaining momentum, so this, this might happen first. Uh, when Trump was in office and we saw... Uh, the peace treaties coming forth with all the different Arab states, uh, you know, on the economical side of things, not really the uh, the political side that we were looking for. And so we saw those things happening. We thought, hey, this could be it. This could be the peace agreement coming. But then we would have things like uh, what happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago with Afghanistan and go, wait, is this going to be the spark, you know, that fuels World War Three? So we just don't know. Will the peace agreement cause World War III? Will World War III cause the peace agreement? We'll just have to kind of wait and see. All right. Well, that's not the end of the show. We are going to break these down uh, in detail, and we are taking your calls. The number to join us is one eight seven seven end time one eight seven seven three six three eight four six three. Which one do you think will happen first, World War Three or Peace Treaty? Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. If you have any questions about either, uh, we will be taking your calls. So join us today. Also, if you're on Facebook, I want to remind you that when you share this video or when you uh, use the heart icon instead of the like. It does help us out a lot, break through the algorithm and get to your friends and family. Uh, We want this message to get out to everybody in the world possible. And one way that you can help with that is by sharing the video on Facebook and any social media that you're watching on. So we certainly appreciate it when you do that. Now, Doug, on World War III, there's a lot of people that say it's not a physical war. Yeah, It's it's something else. It's a uh, uh, ideological war. It's something else it's not physical how do you handle that well because if it's not a physical war then a lot of what we're going to talk about is problematic i suppose right so we we have some specific things with that prophecy that lets us know talks about an army for one thing an army of 200 million men so we know that there's going to be an army there uh some people get confused because uh it mentions the horses that the army rides uh how are we riding horses? Does something happen to make us go back into like a, a medieval time where we don't have our uh, machinery anymore, that kind of thing? But we got to remember that John is seeing a futuristic war from the time that he was writing the prophecy. He was used to soldiers riding horses. He was seeing soldiers, but they weren't on horses. They were on war implements. They were on machines. And one of the clues there is it tells us that out of their mouths came... Uh, the ability to kill one-third of mankind with smoke, fire, and brimstone sounds like a, a cannon fire. And those things would be considered, you know, what John saw. He saw things he didn't recognize, so he was trying to fit them into a scope that he could understand. And so those war machines are there in that scripture as well. So it does look like it's going to be a very physical war. It tells us that one-third of mankind is killed by the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone. Sounds like bombs and you know war implementation so we'll just have to uh help people understand that i know that a lot of people see that it says and by these three plagues 
was a third of mankind killed. So they think a plague is this pandemic and maybe it's COVID that kills one third of mankind. And so a lot of people think maybe this is a spiritual warfare and it comes from this COVID and this COVID is what's killing people. But it specifically tells us it's the smoke, the fire and the brimstone that kills one third of mankind. All right. Well, maybe we'll get more into that because I have some questions about what you stated. Okay. Uh, so we'll get more into that on the other side of the break. We'll also be breaking down both of these prophecies and what's happening around the world uh, in alignment with what's what's coming in these prophecies. So uh, stay tuned. Also give us a call, one eight seven seven end time one eight seven seven three six three eight four six three. We look forward to talking to you and breaking down these two prophecies after the break. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. The seven vials are coming in the form of sores, darkness, great hail, people being scorched with immense heat, and more. Bible prophecy shows us that each of these judgments will be far worse than anything imaginable. The good news is there is hope. In our brand new video, learn how to be immune from these gruesome judgments and have peace in the end time. This month only, get our new DVD, The Seven Vials, with a gift of any amount. Go to endtime.com slash DVD or call us at 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. This offer is only valid through the end of the month. Go to endtime.com slash DVD or call 800-END-TIME. Welcome back to Into the Age Open Lines at one eight seven seven in time one eight seven seven three six three eight four six three. Before we get into what we're going to talk about today, I do want to remind you that Dave and Janet will be in Princeton, Kentucky, this weekend. So, uh, fr- um, excuse me, Saturday, September eighteenth at six p.m. and Sunday, September nineteenth at ten a.m. Uh, they will be in Princeton, Kentucky. Dave will talk about the future on Saturday and breaking prophetic fulfillments on Sunday. So if you'd like more information about that, go to endtime.com slash events, and it'll be the top event there um, listed on that page. So be sure to check that out if uh, you are in the Princeton, Kentucky area. Uh, we have people that come from all over the U.S. for our conferences, um, but most people are local. So uh, make plans to come out there and meet Dave and Jana. They'd love to see you and get to chat with you if you're in the area. All right, Doug. Daniel 9.27 says, And he shall confirm the covenant 
with many. We know the scripture. We talk about it a lot here. Right. With many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now we're talking right. about uh, uh, the prophecy of a future temple. Right. So we're talking about a peace treaty. Yeah. First step to get there is the prophecy of a future temple, a Jewish temple, yeah. on the Temple Mount. Right. And so some of the controversy that goes on on the Temple Mount, Vince, is that um, the many believe that in order for there to be a Jewish temple, there has to be a removal of an Islamic temple or the Dome of the Rock. Uh, and so this is where a lot of the controversy and the uh, fear comes from people. They think, okay, if the Jewish people do this, they're going to expel us from the Temple Mount. It's it's the Muslims' third most holy site, but it's Israel's number one most holy site. And so the deal is, is there's room for both there, Vince. And so uh, just to the, um, I believe it's to the north of the Dome of the Rock, uh, there's an area there. Uh, where they believe that they can put the temple, that the temple will fit there. And then it fits into our scripture about the sharing of the Temple Mount. So the the scripture you just read from Daniel 9, 27 lets us know that there's going to be sacrifice there again. So worship's going to be going on there. And that lets us know that the Antichrist stops that sacrifice. In the middle of that seven-year period, he stands up. This also correlates with... 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, where it says he stands in the temple of God, proclaiming that he is God, speaking of the Antichrist. So <clears throat> this particular scripture we use a lot for a future temple. But then Revelation chapter 11, 1 and 2 tells us also that this is going to be a future temple and that there's going to be a sharing of that temple. Okay, Revelation 11 says, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein, but the court which is without the temple leave out, and measure it not, for it's given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. This is one of my favorite uh, prophecies, actually. Yeah. And it's because of a personal experience I had when I went to Israel in 2009. We had a session on our tour with Rabbi Yehuda Glick, who we're going to talk about a little bit later. And I asked him, he was over the Temple Institute that time, since I knew he didn't read the book of Revelation as a Jew, I asked him, you know, what if you could build the Temple, but not the outer court? If they just said, everything but the outer court. And he said, well, I'm Jewish and I know how we are. We would want to build everything. However, we'll take what we can get. (laughs) And then we would do it with the idea that later we would be able to build it. And I was like, oh, my. (laughs) He just admitted that the guy that's over the Temple Institute is willing to go ahead and build this temple without the outer court, just like Scripture says. I thought that was awesome. That is awesome. And you were actually probably on the spot we were pretty close yeah Yeah. that makes it even more just chilling when you talk about it because you know they are so desperate they will take what they can get Mm -hmm. and that's 
what prophecy says is going to happen. So that outer court would be where the Dome of the Rock stands now. And, of course, the fountain and everything there that they use for washing. All that is right there in where the, the area would be, the outer court. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says that it's going to be trodden down uh, underfoot for 42 months. That's also uh, the time of the Great Tribulation we talked about the other day on the program. So um, just interesting because these two scriptures are futuristic temple uh, being built and uh, worship going on there, just like it says to measure the temple of God, the altar, and them that worship therein. So we know with the altar what goes on there. It's the sacrificial altar that they're talking about there. So all that is is right there in that scripture, letting us know that this is a future temple that's going to be built. Now you know we always get those questions. Now you know, well, uh, I didn't think there was going to be another physical temple. I thought we were the temple of God. Well, we we are as born again believers. We are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. But to the Jewish people, like you were talking about, that don't read the New Testament, they want this new temple, and they're looking toward that third temple. And so we see this in those scriptures, and then the things that we're about to talk about, if you're ready to talk about those, are uh, are significant going forward. Well, before we do, I, I just ask a quick question. Yeah. Um, the temple, you know, a lot of times we drive by an apartment complex or whatever's being built in our area mm-hmm. and it seems like it takes forever. Yeah. The temple, how long will that take? Is it is it going to be a five-year project? It doesn't appear that it's going to be. I don't know how long it's going to take them. I think that Pastor Baxter actually said that he had spoke to somebody and they said that they could do it within one to two years. Uh, now, you know the area there. Yep. So you know the size is not going to be as immaculate as something they might want to build. But you also know with modern technology how quickly something can go up. Just like you're talking about, we can drive past uh, an area that's an empty field one day and come back two weeks later and all of a sudden they've got a structure coming up. So just think of how quickly that can happen now as opposed to, you know, when they were having to slide those big old rocks down, you know, a a muddy trail that they were trying to keep wet in front of them as they were sliding it with mules hauling it, you know, and that kind of thing. Now we have... I thought they used dinosaurs. (laughs) Vince, you're going to get us in trouble. (laughs) No, I don't think that's... Or aliens? No, no no alien technology. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, they have modern technology nowadays. They can get that built pretty quickly. And plus we know from the Temple uh, Institute... They have all the utensils for mm-hmm. the temple already, um, and including a replica of the Ark of the Covenant. So they have everything they need for the inside. Yeah. Who knows you well, know, what I think, they're doing? I think it's important to point out that the temple is not this massive structure. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about a Joel Osteen campus. <laughs> it is, you know, yeah. I don't know what to compare it to that people could relate with, but... Right. You know, I mean, it is like probably not as big as a high school gym, you know, in your town. It's not this massive structure. Right. And so I don't know that it would even take two years, to be honest with you. I think six to 12 months would be sufficient, especially because they have stated they have all the components they need. And a lot of times... um, some of these structures, they can build them off-site, have all the components, bring them in, piece them together. and That's true. Like you mentioned before, in no time, there's a brand-new structure right there. And, and I don't see why they wouldn't want to do that. As prepared as they are, 
I mean, he told us back in 2009, we have everything that we need as far as the the decor goes. Um, Of course, they need a red heifer. But aside from that, they had everything they needed at that point. So I would imagine as long as they've been waiting... It's not going to be one of the. It's not going to be like our insurance problem we've got here. It's not going <laughs> no, to be an eight, so. you know, forever before they start. They're ready to go today. Yeah. And so I think it would be quick. And boy, would things start unfolding quickly at that from that point on. Absolutely, it would. <sighs> All right. Okay. Well, are you ready to get to this story on the Temple Mount? Yeah, we can get to this story. Uh, the New York Times reported that the Israeli government has long forbidden Jews to pray on the Temple Mount. Yet Rabbi Yehuda Glick, who I referenced earlier, made little little effort to hide his prayers. In fact, he was live streaming them. So you can look up Yehuda Glick on Facebook, scroll down a little bit from last week and see where he's live streaming um, his prayers there on the Temple Mount. Since Israel captured the old city of Jerusalem from Jordan in 1967, it has maintained a fragile religious balance at the Temple Mount, the most diverse site in Jerusalem. Only Muslims can worship there while Jews can pray at the Western Wall. I think that may be a misconception as well because the Western Wall image of the Jews praying is a pretty iconic image. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people, maybe they don't realize that they aren't on the Temple Mount praying. Right. And a lot of people think that the Western Wall is part of the Temple. And they say, you know, how can that be? The Lord said there won't be one stone left upon another. That wall is actually a structure uh, that Herod built as a way to stabilize the the earth up there. It was like a foundation structure where the temple was built upon the top of where that was. It was a retaining wall that Herod built. That's the closest the Jews could get to uh, the actual temple mount itself to pray. And as that's of today. Go, yeah, yeah. As of today. And and. Even, you know, we as Christians, we can go up there and visit, but we're not allowed to pray. Yeah. You know, I, I know I've told I prayed you, when I was up there. Cause I was well, like, we, we probably all did and, and tried to make it look like we weren't. But we had one yeah. of the guys in our tour group when we went that got down on the ground and kissed the ground. And immediately the Muslim waft came over there and started screaming and hollering. I thought they were going to haul him off to jail. But thankfully, they just told him, get up. You can't do that. So gotcha. uh, it, it was no kind of... No kissing of the ground. Yeah, you can't kiss the ground. You can't act like you're praying. You can't bow. You can't do anything. So for a long time, <clears throat> Jewish people would go up there and drop a coin and bend over to pick it up and pray as they were picking up the coin and that kind of thing to, to hide it. But Yahuda was clearly not hiding it. He's a pretty bold guy. The story goes on to say, recently the government has quietly allowed increasing numbers of Jews to pray there, a shift that could own, excuse me, a shift that could aggravate the instability in East Jerusalem and potentially lead to religious conflict. It's a sensitive place, said Ehud Olmert, a former Israeli prime minister, and sensitive places such as this, which have an enormous potential for explosion, need to be treated with care. So that's what we're kind of talking about. Yeah. Rabbi Glick has been leading efforts to change the status quo for decades. He characterizes his effort as a matter of religious freedom. If Muslims can pray there, why not Jews? That sounds a lot like President Trump's peace treaty that it he does. presented. Yeah. Uh, quote, God is the master of all humanity, and he wants every one of us to be here to worship everyone in his own style. 
end quote, but the prohibition of Jewish prayer on the 37-acre plateau that once held two ancient Jewish temples was part of a long-standing compromise to avoid conflict at a site that has been a frequent flashpoint in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The government officially allows non-Muslims to visit the site for several hours each morning on the condition that they not pray there, uh, though no Israeli law explicitly bars Jews Jewish prayer there. Jewish visitors who attempt to pray there have historically been removed or reprimanded by the police, like you said. Yeah. So, there's tension there for anybody other than a Muslim to pray, but yet we see the tensions beginning to be laxed a little bit with Yahuda Glick being able to go up there and and pray. Uh, like you said, Yahuda's a little bit of a radical in, in the way that mm-hmm. you know other people look at this. And, and he goes up there to do this. But the Jews are trying to establish uh, the fact that they have the right to be there, that it is a holy site. Had they not begun to do this, then the world might forget how important that Temple Mount is to the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, from what Scripture tells us, that's going to be a place that is shared between Jew and Gentile. And when I say Gentile, that's going to be more than just Muslims. Um, That's going to be Christians. It's going to be anybody who feels the need to go up there and worship. They'll be able to do that at some point. That's what we believe is going to happen from Scripture. All right. Well, let's go to the phones, Doug. Uh, We'll go to Jimmy in Texas. Jimmy, welcome to End of the Age. How you doing? We're well. How are you, Jimmy? I'm doing good. Um, my question, I have a couple of questions. All right, we're, we're running, we are running short on time, Jimmy, so uh, I guess ask the most important one first, and we'll see what we can get in. All right, uh, book of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 26. Uh, it talks about what's going to happen, and 27 is talking about the covenant being confirmed. Is that correct? Before, uh, um, you know... It's it, what I'm getting at is everything that happens in 26 is telling what's actually going to happen, and then the covenant's confirmed in 27. Is that that correct? Well, in, in 26, there, Jimmy, it's letting us know that uh, the course of events and when they happen. It talks about the Messiah, who we know is Jesus, will be cut off, and then it talks about the. Uh, people that shall come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So the people of the prince that shall come will destroy the city and the sanctuary there. It's it's letting us know kind of a timeline of events there. That's one of the ways that you can witness to a Jewish person that doesn't read uh, the New Testament. You can show them that if the temple was destroyed by Rome in 70 AD and the Messiah was cut off before that happened, then Jesus m- must have been the Messiah. He must be uh, who he said he was. And it's a way that you can show them that. This is giving us a, a timing and letting us know, but it's also telling us that the prince of the people that shall come will be the he that confirms that covenant. Okay, thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Jimmy, as you can hear, we're running out of time. We're coming up on a break here. We do appreciate your call. Uh, if you'd like to join us on the show, give us a call at one eight seven seven in time one eight seven seven three six three eight four six three. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? 
With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Welcome back to End of the Age. We have open lines at one eight seven seven end time one eight seven seven three six three eight four six three. Once again, I want to remind you that Dave and Jana will be in Princeton, Kentucky this weekend. So Saturday at six p.m. and Sunday at ten a.m. Dave will be talking about the future on Saturday and breaking prophetic fulfillments on Sunday morning. So if you're in the area, make plans to join them. They'd love to meet you, get to know you a little bit better. And, uh, yeah, you'll be able to chat with Dave before and after the conference. So you definitely want to make sure that you are at that conference if you're anywhere nearby. Uh, you can learn more about it at endtime.com slash events. We have the venue address there and additional details as well. So go there. Also, I, I understand it correctly that we'll have the Seven Vials DVD actually there. So if you'd like to go there and pick up your copy, you can. Or you can go to endtime.com slash DVD. And for a donation of any amount, you'll be one of the first to get our brand new lesson, the Seven Vials. Or you can watch it on Into the H Plus today. So go stream it there as well. All right, we will jump right back into the phones quickly. Uh, Michelle in Virginia, welcome to End of the Age. Hi, how are you? We're well. How are you, Michelle? Good. I just wanted to share, well, actually, two quick stories. Um, I was in Israel in 2000. I went on an archaeological dig with my church, and I, we were praying on the Temple Mount in a group, and a man did come over with a machine gun and pointed at us and said, you can't do that. So once he turned around, I just said to the group, do you guys feel a Daniel moment coming on? So we bowed our heads and finished the prayer. And the second incident, I was only seven months being a Christian at the time. So I was on the, um, at the Garden of Gethsemane getting ready to go in, but I had shorts on and my knees were showing. So the Israeli guard, I believe it was um, a Jew, would not let me in because it was a holy site. And I left my wraparound skirt on the bus. So oh. I saw a man go in with his knees showing. And I said, wait a minute, his knees are showing. He says, you got, and, and um, there was an Arab standing next to me. And he says, you come with me. And he took me down to his cart and gave me a skirt and let me go in. He let me borrow it off his cart and I gave it back. So at the end, 
the Jewish man says, do you think this is all, you know, real? I said, absolutely. He said, we'll see. And I said, we'll see in the end. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, you, that's true. You've got to watch those guys with machine guns because they are there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are, and they want you covered as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, my goodness, no, I showed my legs for Israel. It was hot. <laughs> and I love your sense of humor, by the way. Well, thank you. Well, we appreciate that because sometimes we get criticized for it, Michelle. So no, I think we, it's hilarious. You guys flip in stuff, and I'm like, go, guys, go. <laughs> well, thank you, Michelle. We appreciate that. <laughs> All right, God bless well, you, Michelle. Have a great day. Okay, you, you too. too. All right, we will get into one more story about the Temple Mount before we move on. Um, Arut Sheva reported that Muhammad Hussein issued a warning Monday against what he called Jewish attempts to damage the Alaska Mosque by blowing the shofar on the Temple Mount on high holy days. Now, Doug, there are some people looking at this desk and they can't figure out what's different. Right. Can you help? some people out here yeah so uh so this is a shafar this is what they're talking about blowing it's actually a ram's horn yes and it's what they use it's what they would have used too during the temple era to call together worship but there's many different scriptures that tell us about the blowing of the ram's horn well if they're listening on radio there's like this four foot long horn on the desk yeah so it's it's it's, it's, it's actually quite very different than normal. Impressive. That's an impressive one. It is, and I'm yeah. scared it's going to roll off. Well, hopefully it won't. That belongs to to Brian, our production manager. But uh, I have a small one because uh, I bought me one when I was over there. But I, mine's not near as big as that. That's that's huge. But we we could have shown a video too of Yahuda Glick blowing the shofar toward. Uh, the Temple Mount from the Mount of Olives. He did that, and we had an article uh, talking about that. We had a video that went with it, uh, and and they blew several different kinds of shafars, but they they did it as uh, like they were talking about for a high holy day. And now they're getting warnings that that is not a good thing because the uh, Arabs find that as threatening. I guess, huh? Yeah. Well, they said the Temple Mount is the holiest site in Judaism, while the Alaska Mosque, which uh, sits at the southern end of the mount is the third holiest site in Islam. Hussein said the Temple Mount organization are demanding that the authorities allow them to bring chairs and Torah scrolls of the Temple Mount to conduct Torah study at the Temple Mount and to open all gates to Jews. Hussein strongly condemned the production given by Israeli authorities to numbers uh, to members of the extremist groups, quote unquote, that break into the Alaska Mosque every day in large numbers while wearing priestly clothes and blowing the shofar under the pretext of Jewish holidays. According to the according to Hussein, uh, Israeli's policy permitting Jew, Jewish visits and prayer requires an immediate Arab Islamic response as he ap- appealed to the relevant Muslim and Arab bodies and organizations to intervene in a situation that could degenerate into a religious war as the goal of the extremist Zionist group is to destroy the blessed Al-Aqsa Mosque and build the temple in its place. So so there you go. There's that fear we were talking about. And, and that could spark what we're getting ready to talk about, the the Sixth Trumpet War, the World War Three, because of the fact that that's the fear of the Muslim people is that this, these are attempts from Israel to destroy 
the Dome of the Rock or the Alaska Moss, which is there as well. And so the blowing of this horn, I, I found a scripture in, in Amos. I just want to read that scripture because I, I love it because it kind of goes along with this story and, and how they're being afraid of this situation. But in Amos 3, 6, it says, when the ram's horn blows a warning, shouldn't the people be alarmed? Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has planned it? So maybe that's the fear they have that disaster is getting ready to come down upon them but there is an alarm i mean you think about it vince if you're walking around you've heard one of these things sound and you know what they sound like doug could you demonstrate i don't think i could vince no thanks for asking i mean i've got some water you could wet your whistle and see what you got i I doubt that they want to hear me blow that thing but if you heard it it would scare you if you're walking down the street and all of a sudden you hear a shafar blow like that if you want if you're on facebook and you want to hear (laughs) Doug blow this horn. Comment on oh there. Doug blow the horn. Let's oh, see what man. we can get. Yeah. We've got 20 minutes left. Let's see if we can get Doug to blow this by we, the end of the show. Yeah, we better move on. <laughs> All right. You ready to move on to uh, World War III? Is that where we're at? Uh, we can do that or we can take a call, whatever you want to do. What do All you want right. To do? Let's go to the phones. Uh, get us out of this mess. And uh, who better than to go to than Delisa in Texas? Welcome to End of the Age. Hello. Can you hear me? Hi, we can hear you. Do you Hi. want to hear Doug blow this horn before the end of the show? I do. All right, there's one vote for it, Doug. Oh, my goodness. I see a lot of Doug blow the horn on the comments. So. Oh, that's funny. Well, um, I, I I guess I've thought a lot about what just transpired in Afghanistan with um, America pulling out like we did. You know, we we were for 20 years. We have suppressed this area by sanctions and by our presence. And I know whatever is manifested in the natural is also manifested in the spiritual. And I'm just wondering if this is the sixth trumpet sounding in a way, uh, you know, and I'm specifically thinking about uh, Revelation 9, 14, where it's saying the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was just a thought of mine, um, you know, because all this, everything that we've known in America and everything that we've tried to suppress is now coming out in such a way that it's so visible. It just makes me wonder right well it, it's a good point and we we do have several people that believe that the spirits have already been loose that some of this could have started with uh 9-11 uh when uh-huh. the attacks happened there that that could have started this and that could be part of it uh but what we're watching right now you're you're right in afghanistan that's some of the things we're going to talk about and explore a little bit here in a moment in some of these articles but when that happened uh, that took a presence, a, a stability. You think about those people there in Afghanistan that for 20 years, I mean, anybody that's below the age of 20, they know no other life than what the United yeah. States government was helping them to understand about freedom. And now they have the rule of the Taliban and uh, they're, they're being ruled with a, a heavy arm and with a lot of restrictions, less freedom than they had. Some of these young girls are being taken and given to uh, men for brides at, under the age of 12. I mean, things, just horrific things that are happening there under 
um, the the law of the Taliban. And so you just think about all that going on and, and the the instability that's happening in that area now. And we're watching people almost like folks are coming in now like wolves, you know, after a kill's been done, yeah. where they're just trying to take and take from uh, the carnage there. So it, it very well could be uh, that those spirits have been loosed in that area. And this is why we're seeing these things happen. So that's a great point. Well, thank you. That was that was all I wanted to say, I, um, and I know that I'll enjoy the rest of the show. I'm going to get offline, and y'all have a great day. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Delisa. All right. Shall we get into Revelation? Yeah, you know, before we before we move to the war part, let's just kind of let everybody know, too, that there's uh, been some meetings between uh, Egypt and Israel talking about bringing in the quartet again to sit down and orchestrate uh, more of the Palestinian-Israeli peace agreement because they do know that that's part of the stability there in the Middle East. And uh, the leader of Egypt is trying to, uh, I guess, polish up a tarnished image that he has as a dictator by trying to be a peacemaker now. And so he's trying to be a mover and shaker in that. So we're seeing some more development with the peace agreement happening too. So we're, we're watching that happen. We're, we're watching these events happen on the Temple Mount. And now, uh, just like our last caller said, we've got Afghanistan and the things that are happening there in the Middle East as well. So, yeah, let's, let's jump there. All right. Revelation 9.13 is where it describes it. It uh, started in verse 13. And the six angels sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God saying to the six, you did there. The, horn, the, the people want to hear you blow the horn. Yeah, I'll just tell you. Sure. Uh, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay a third part of men. Now, what does slay mean? That means to kill. So it would be very difficult to get this far in the passage and not believe this is a physical war. If right. slay means to kill. Yes. I agree with you completely. Okay. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and jacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. And out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed. Now maybe it's killed or slayed um, mentally? No. Okay. Uh, by the fire, <laughs> by the smoke. Uh, let's see, I'm, I've already passed there. For their uh, Verse 19. For their powers in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were likened to serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor their sorceries, nor their fornication, nor of their thefts. Yeah. So even after all that destruction, people will not be repenting. They'll still be living the way they want to live. All right, we'll get into more of World War III after the break. What's going to happen next? World War III or the Peace Treaty? Give us a call and let us know. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. 
My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. Endtime is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with Endtime to help get the message of our soon-coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. My goodness. <laughs> Welcome back to Into the Age. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell. Uh, no, he was not practicing on the break. Uh, I don't think I'm going to talk him into doing it. But, you know, if this video got a 1,000 likes on Facebook, he might. Yeah. If that's really what people want to see, maybe before the program's over. <laughs> maybe we'll just do a special video just of you There you go. After playing the program. That one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get back into World War III, Doug. Right. We just read the passage beforehand. Uh, before the break on where that's found in Revelation, which is chapter 9, starting in verse 13. Um, and then, you know, we're going to talk more about uh, the, the coming world war. But I do want to remind you, we are taking your calls, one eight seven seven end time one eight seven seven three six three eight four six three. There's a story that came out just recently about China and Russia, and it says, China, Russia, Pakistan, and Turkey all appear to... Uh, all appear set to formally recognize Taliban rule in neighboring Afghanistan after the Islamist terror group seized the, palace, uh, the presidential palace in Kabul and the country's embattled president fled for to Pakistan. Most global powers are reluctant to recognize the rule of the militant group overthrown by U.S.-led coalition forces in 2001, with British Prime Minister Boris Johnson warning that Afghanistan cannot be allowed to become a breeding ground for terror again. But Beijing and Islamabad could break rank to form closer ties with the likely new government, with Chinese state media preparing its people to accept the likely scenario that the Communist Party might have to recognize the Islamist group. So some of the things that we've got to look at here are the players that are involved in this. China, who has bragged about being able to field an army of 200 million men. So, like we talked about the other day, China would love to get in there and get into uh, the uh, the fields of lithium where they can harvest that and mine that. I don't know. You know, people talk about all the time about what uh, drilling for oil and everything does to our earth. Have you ever seen what one of those lithium mines look like, Vince, when mm-hmm. they come in and when they're finished? Mm-hmm. It looks like a big crater in the earth. I mean, it just it's, oh, yeah, it's yeah. horrible. They just strip it of everything. But anyway, China is one of the largest producers of electric automobiles, and uh, Afghanistan is one of the biggest producers of lithium, which is very important to electric car batteries. Uh, so China is already, you know, moving in, trying to get a piece of that action. Then you've got Russia and you've got Turkey that are, uh, you know, aligning uh, themselves with the Taliban as well and saying we accept their government. This is a government that kills people in the street, uh, that, you know, beheads people if they believe different than them, that takes young girls 
hostage, basically, to, to be wives and sewed into slavery. Uh, they hang homosexuals from cranes. We've seen that in the past by the Taliban, uh, where they find out somebody's a homosexual and they hang them from a crane and kill them publicly so everybody sees this. I mean, it's, it's a terrible uh, regime that's been set there, this terrorist res- regime that's been given military equipment by the United States. So Russia and China is going to be very much um, involved in wanting to talk about uh, getting a hold of some of that machinery and doing some reverse technology and seeing how it works. And then they know how our vehicles function. So it's, it's a scary situation to be in. And, of course, this is something that's on everybody's mind right now because um, everything's so vivid and we've seen so many different videos coming out of that area. Go ahead. You look like you want to add to that. Did you want to add to that? Um, I was just enjoying to your me. commentary. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thinking about play how that play. how that shafar can get in your hand. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there there's stories about the Euphrates River is actually starting to dry up now. Yeah. When that happens, is it going to be, um, you know, like somebody puts a dam in and dries it up intentionally? Is it going to be uh, dried up over time? Why are you laughing at me? Because we know that Turkey controls the Ataturk Dam that has the potential to close the Euphrates River to make a way for the kings to come in and invade Israel in the Battle of Armageddon. So we do know that that's a possibility. Now, what's happening there now, I believe, is just natural drought. I don't know that they found out that Turkey's cut off any water to anybody or anything, but that could happen. So it it could happen that way, uh, and, and Turkey could be very much involved in shutting down the flow of the Euphrates River for the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, but we'll just have, have to kind of wait and see how that plays out. Now, I don't know. You said that as if everyone knows there's a dam there. I don't think that everyone knows that. Probably not. And that, that river is water supply for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there can be a shutoff of that water today. Yeah. yeah. Now, it would be chaos. Well, that could spark a war, too. Sure could. Yeah, absolutely. So that exists. The Ataturk Dam is what that's called, and it's been there for several years now. I mean, back in the 90s probably when they built that. I can't remember the exact year, but I do remember uh, that's when I first started listening to End Time Ministries when that was talked about, uh, the discovery of that dam was talked about. So I know that was many years ago that that dam was built. Anyway, All right, well, let's go to the phones. Uh, Frank in New York, welcome to End of the Age. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, appreciate your time. You asked for a comment about uh, whether we thought that, uh, World War III would come first or uh, the. Tell me what the other option the was. Peace the Peace Treaty. The Peace Treaty. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I'm a JPC student and listen to you guys all the time and, and uh, love you, what you're doing. Uh, after World War One. Uh, League of Nations was established. After World War II, uh, the United Nations was established. Both times people were appalled at how many people died. And uh, so after World War III, I believe the uh, New World Order will be finally uh, officially established uh, because of the uh, incredible amount of loss of life. People will clamor for a one-world government and uh, so that's what I believe. Uh, the peace treaty then will be signed uh, after World War III. 
And I, I also I wanted to add a comment about the uh, rebuilding of the temple as a result of uh, the, the Israel the, the signing of the peace treaty. Uh, it will be absolutely in the best interests of the Antichrist and the New World Order government to get that temple built. Just because of the simple fact that the Antichrist needs somewhere to stand and proclaim himself mm-hmm. to be God. Yeah. So, uh, absolutely in his best interest. I'm with you, Frank. I, I, that's the order I think it's in, but of course, as you know, we have to say that we don't really know. But yeah. I, I think you're dead on. Yeah. I, I think so. Now, now I think the most important perspective that you could bring here, should Doug blow this horn? <laughs> I definitely, mm. definitely want to see him blow that thing. I haven't seen anyone <laughs> no. opposed yet. I'll okay. just say. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. We appreciate it. Thanks, we appreciate Frank. you being a JPC student as yeah, well. Absolutely. Um, you can go to endtime.com slash JPC. That'll take you to our Jerusalem Prophecy College website. Um, many of you are familiar with that already. It's a online college. We have a physical campus in Jerusalem where people come and gather and learn more about Bible prophecies. And it's available online um, at endtime.com slash JPC. So definitely check that out if you haven't yet. All right, we'll go to Darlene in Arkansas. Darlene, welcome to End of the Age. Hello. Hi, Darlene. How are you? We're well. How are you? Well, I'm just about perfect. All right. Man, I think the thing that would get you there is if Doug blew this horn. (laughs) I would love for Doug to blow the horn. Oh, my goodness. I know, Doug, you're not getting out of <laughs> well, what's your question today, Darlene? Sorry to slow you down. Okay, that's all right. My question is, how do we know what the confirmation of the covenant is? Where does it tell us the confirmation of the covenant is Israel's right to exist? Is there some place to find that? Yeah, so that's that's in Genesis. It's in chapter 15. And the Lord tells uh, Abraham there that he shall give him the land to him and his seed uh, from the river in Egypt to the great river Euphrates. So it establishes the the land, the covenant with Abraham. So this is uh, Genesis fifteen eighteen. It says, And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land. From the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. So that's what that covenant is going to be about. It, it really, I mean, when whenever the peace agreement came out and they were calling it the Abraham Accords, that really caught our attention because we knew that that's what the covenant would be about. It's Israel's right to exist in the land that they're in. Um, Israel and the Palestinians have fought over this land forever. And the Palestinians claim that it belongs to them. Israel claims that it belongs to them. We know from the word of God that it belongs to the Israeli people and that um, the, the God of Israel told Israel 33 or 35 times in the Old Testament. I can't remember uh, how many times he actually said it. But I think it was like 35. He said, I shall put my name there or I shall write my name there. Speaking of Jerusalem, and this is where Mount Moriah is. It's where... Uh, Abraham took Isaac to sacrifice him and God uh, delivered the ram 
uh, in the place thereof. So that is Mount Moriah is that temple mount uh, that Abraham, the same one that he took Isaac to. So this is what that covenant is about. It's about Israel's right to exist there in the land. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I love y'all. You guys do an amazing job, and uh, God bless. All right. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. All right, Doug. Express News mapped World War III. This is their six places where World War III could break out in 2021. Mm-hmm. Now we're in September. However, you know, th- there's three months left. Now they're saying that basically it could still happen from yeah. their perspective. And one of and the this places- article actually came out yesterday. Yeah, I-, I didn't put the date on there, and I apologize. But they're talking about. So we're talking about just a few months, Vince. Well, in Express happen. News, is that another prophecy ministry? Express News is just a, a news from UK. I think I don't think that it's. A, I don't think that it's just interesting that yeah. they would bring this up. And I know World War Three is a hot right. topic because we've had a yeah. couple of world wars and um, lots of tension uh, in the world right now. But yeah. one of the places they highlight is U.S. and Iran. Yeah. So. Of course, we know the tensions there because of what's going on with Iran. We also know Iran and Israel is another place they list. Uh, but they, they list several different reasons why. We know that Israel put out an article two weeks ago said that uh, Iran is 10 weeks away from developing a nuclear warhead. And Israel cannot allow that to happen because Iran has specifically said that they want to destroy Israel first the little Satan, and then the big Satan, which they speak of as America. So our our enemy, and like number one on the terrorist list a few years ago, now uh, are saying that they are 10 weeks away from developing a nuclear warhead. So the actuality of this happening is very real. Well, they also say Iran-Israel. Yeah. And it seems like they said another one. I'm not. There's there's a bunch of them down there. It's U.S. and Turkey, the U.S. and North Korea, the U.S. and China. Any of those places, this war could could happen very quickly. And they even mentioned uh, that it could be in Afghanistan. So So. which one's first? World War Three, peace treaty? I don't know. Bible doesn't tell us. Are they both going to happen? Yes, they are both going to happen. All right. You want me to blow this one? I don't think you're going to get it. But if we get a thousand likes, right? Yeah, here we go. You ready? You got 10 seconds. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know if he'll do that ever again, but we'll see. Uh, join us tomorrow. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.